to Bene, live from London. What a pleasant time it is. It's been such a pleasant week. I'm feeling so happy and joyous about the world. Uh, we're post, uh, yesterday was the Vernissage of mm-hmm. Ari Emanuel's Freeze Art Fair. That's right. Uh, the Endeavor-owned Freeze has once again opened in London. It is the 10th anniversary of Freeze Masters. Masters kind of fucked, dude. I don't know if you checked it out. There were some, some, some haters in there. There were some bangers at Master. I stopped by there later on in the day. I had to start at the Freeze Fair, mm-hmm. uh, the the old school but new school work, um, which I'd say the well, to talk about why why Freeze Masters rocked. I went there later. I actually bought something at Freeze Masters as well. But I mean, it's it it wasn't radically different than most editions of Freeze Masters. It's just you know that fair is really awesome. You've got you know a wide variety of dealers from you know the heavy hitters like you know. Werner and Hauser and Worth and Scarstet, uh, but you also have a ton of antiquities dealers and old masters dealers. A guy brought a fucking dinosaur. That's awesome. There was dinosaurs. There were incredible old books. I was checking mm-hmm. out a medical textbook from 1500. So sick. It was so, so it's sick. so sick. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I'd want anyone operating me based upon the illustrations, <laughs> maybe, but certainly a fine thing to own your library, especially if you're perhaps an MD. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got word that a dealer uh, from London sold a Bruegel for 10 big ones. That's 10 sticks. 10 million. Dollars or pounds. Don't, uh, don't make a difference. It <laughs> doesn't make a difference. It doesn't. Wow, remarkable. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So that's some bi- that's some big business. You know, you had some some paying selling for one, maybe two million at the Freeze London sale at fair, but uh, nothing t- for those. Ten millions is big. That's a big number for London. Mm-hmm. Um, I ever tell you real quick the story that uh, one of my first bosses in the auction house game. Uh, I think I've told you the story, but I don't think on pod would would roll up to me with like the 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 Basquiat catalog resume, and he pointed a picture. Just live standing there, no art net, just standing in the office. Mm. Benjamin, what's your estimate? Wow. I go, you know, I don't know, two to three. Oh. Dollars or pounds? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day when that difference meant something, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, some real fuck you behavior in the frat house that <laughs> that is the auction game. Oh, we love it. We love it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, Freeze Masters looked great. It was like, as I said, I didn't get there until later in the day. I started the day at Freeze. Uh, I pulled a move, so I rolled up, and there was a massive queue. I rolled up about 10 minutes before the fair opens, which mm-hmm. is about, uh, about usual for me. Uh, the person I worked for usually would be in line, but there was some, some transport snafus. There was a massive line sneaking out the right. tent down into Regent's Park. I was kind of freaking out because I had some things I had promised to see in the first hour or so of the fair to confirm acquisitions. Uh, and I pulled uh, I pulled up next to Sam Schwartz, great Los Angeles-based collector, mm-hmm. uh, whose daughter and son-in-law uh, live here in London town, and uh, start chatting with him. And I just kept standing there uh, with, with with Sam and his, his son-in-law, Alex. And, and Sam goes, oh, I see you pulled a, a, a chat and cut. <laughs> a chat and cut. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not a stop and chat, a chat and cut. A and chat yes, and cut. And yes, I did. And do I feel slightly guilty? Yes. But the problem with Freeze, in so much as there was one, and I thought it was a really successful fair. We'll get into that in a second. Um, and everyone was evidently a VIP. So the line <laughs> and then the aisles of the fair from, from the opening bell at 11 a.m. London town was full of not just those of us that were there to transact. A lot of looky loos, a lot of mm-hmm. socialites, mm-hmm. a lot of selfies going on. Lots uh, of selfies. Lots of selfie action clogging up the booths. And actually, I, I hate to complain about people enjoying art because I like it when people come 
and see the art, but actually made moving around to transact like kind of a pain in the ass. You couldn't get a fucking quiche to save your life. Oh, don't even get me in the lines for the food because of that. I was more, uh, you know, on the practical level. Just I couldn't get between the booths mm. without kind of like, be, you know, kind of having to swerve in between people. Um, there are worse people in the world are, are suffering from worse problems, but it's something they need to figure out. Like, not everyone's a VIP. No. You know, you got to have some spendability uh, and, or desire. And what uh, what was awaiting these these club kids and socialites and spawn of Madonna when they finally arrived on the scene? What was at the fair? I mean, there were there were a number of great booths. Le- I would say less solo booths than usual at Freeze. Yep, uh, yep. Overall, I would say less kind of what I call London freezy art tend to be shing- things that were shiny, mm-hmm. uh, very spectacular. Um, you you know, very, you know, re- really be a magnet for the selfie folks. There was much less of that, I would say, to good advantage for the fair, much more a serious real art, or at least art that took um, contemplation to appreciate. Um, but there's a lot of big, bright painting. A lot of big, bright painting. I mean, let's talk about things that were solo booths. Uh, uh, the woman of the hour, uh, the, and I think I spoke about this at the Gagosian booth, was, was Jade. Um, mm-hmm. How do I say her second name, Nate? Jade Fajumi? I hope I'm not super wrong. If I am, I'm very sorry, Jade. She's a very nice. Um, She's uh, mononymous, just like Madonna. She's Jade. <laughs> Jade, um, and you know, listen, I didn't love love the paintings, but people were going nuts for them. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I priced in the mid six figures, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, and they were very very hard to get a hold of. People were definitely attracted to that. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. There was a, a number. You know, I think. Um, Matt's he- Max Hetzler's booth was incredible. Right, totally. Um, uh, you know, with, with like real art, like Albert Owens and mm-hmm. things of this, this nature. There's a lot of like serious art there, which isn't always totally. the case um, for Freeze. I actually beelined, if something I hadn't done in ages, I beelined, beelined to like the young, young section, the freeze frame section. Which I thought was, was quite excellent. It was really, really good. And I was able to, um, on behalf of an institutional client, acquire a really cool painting by a London-based guy, uh, Michael Ho, but from a, mm. a, a Shanghai-based gallery vacancy. Uh, but really had to beeline over there to to get my hands on that. Did you see this this uh, Lucian Freud uh, drawing when he was about you know twenty years old at the Matthew Marks booth? I missed that. It no, was, I went into the booth. I missed that. It was really really great. It was it was called uh, Radio Boy, and it's just uh, a self portrait of him with a radio inside of him. It's fucking crazy. Really oh, really cool. Weird weird. At Matthew Marks. Really oh. interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, I you know, it was all kind of a blur. Mm. Um, uh, there was a really Rachel Offner, the New York Gallerist, had a really nice solo presentation of Sharif Sepian, mm-hmm. uh, who obviously has a work at the Venice Biennale that I thought was quite strong. Um, you know, and then London stalwarts like Herald Street had an incredible booth oh, yeah. with a really great Leslie Vance uh, mm-hmm. painting uh, holding it down, and a number of great Nicole Vermeer's um, sculptures. Um, Sorry, I just got distracted by a text message from a client. Um, and uh, other uh, kind of more new school London, uh, or, or other new school London, because I was at Kawas Ijikawa. I had mm-hmm. a killer booth, um, um, certainly. I was able to make an acquisition there. Uh, and then the old school, like Sadie Coles' booth of Hugo, Sol, another solo of Hugo Rondonone's uh, new paintings, was attracting a ton of attention. Oh, yeah. I did miss the number of solo booths that are usually at freeze i felt like that's kind of one of the things that you go to freeze for you know boswell you can't really you know have the freedom to do something like that you true, know true and, story and a lot of galleries use the opportunity of freeze as this sort of you know you know kind of gallery first fair in a lot of ways to um uh be able to just do something interesting um yeah yeah um 
You know, but it was, you know, as much as I just bitch and continue to about how many people were there clogging the aisles uh, throughout the day, um, people were transacting. It seems like things were really moving across the value spectrum. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure all those Jade's sold, obviously, $10 million sales, um, and uh, and all the younger, less expensive art was definitely either pre-sold or sold within the first hour of the fair. And I think this goes without saying, but the mini Wolfgang Tillman's uh, booth in the back of this runner gallery was fantastic. Oh. He, he came up with the, the concept himself. He obviously hung it himself, as he always does. Um, and that was a really nice thing to see. I mean, we in New York have been really spoiled by this moment show, as we've discussed. But it's always great to see more. It was really hard for me not to spend my own $4,000 on this wonderful small little photograph of a man's dress shoe with a sock that's kind of slipped down and is clearly quite irritating, whoever's wearing it. Fantastic small-scale photograph. I really wanted it, Nate. Mm -hmm. I really wanted it. And I was feeling like I'd made a bunch of deals and I should have it. But, you know, I did hold off. Um, But it was hard to do. It was so, so Mm -hmm. good. I can't imagine how you did it. Oh, yeah, David's booth looked incredible. Again, a group presentation. These amazing Lisa Uskovich tondos. Oh, those were great. Uh, which, those were so good. sold. Um, mm-hmm. uh, really, really exceptional, exceptional work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to just go through in my head, and I'm actually scanning uh, the photographs in my phone right now of what else captured my eye. And I don't just want to talk up my own booth, so that would be unfair. Um, Timothy Taylor had a great booth of uh, paintings by an artist that I had never heard of before. Um, these really strong um, uh, graphic paintings. Do you did you uh, did you have a chance to step by? Is it Shara Lange is the name? I, I, I did. Uh, I saw it from afar. I didn't get a chance to go and talk to the crew there, who I'm, of course I'm huge fans of. But I, it looked good. Yeah, it was uh, these kind of great, kind of very graphic uh, party scenes. This was their their first presentation with Shara, and I think I'm saying that correctly um, mm-hmm. previously, and all sold uh, without a problem uh, in advance of a solo show they'll be doing next year with Tim Taylor. Um, really, really like that. She's a London-based artist who was born, and born artist who was born here in 1994. So mm-hmm. not, not super young, but I mean pretty young. Pretty young. <laughs> pretty young. Jade was born in 1995 also very young so of the same generation mm-hmm. of the same generation um i'm trying to think of what else i mean i had lots of fun stuff i mean you know there was all lots of fun things like um you know we had uh the great uh the great menswear designer mm-hmm. raf simmons mm-hmm. was in attendance great collector an uh, amazing collector. amazing collector and he was being led around the fair by um none other than former gavin brown director uh lucy uh, uh what's lucy's second name Lucy Chadwick. Lucy Chadwick. That's right. Sorry, Lucy. Love you. <laughs> we both love you. Uh, I spent a, a decent amount of time with Raph uh, in Venice during the Biennale. We just happened to be at the same dinners. Um, and we had met a number of years before. Um, you know, he's very close friends with Matthew Higgs and uh, and his wife, the great artist Ann Collier. Um, and so um, I, 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 t- I talked to him a lot about his collection and, and the artists that he likes. Yeah, and, no, I, think, I think we covered it in the pod, and I think did, you wrote, yeah. Yeah, and you also covered it in in your column. I believe I did, yeah, yeah. But it was exciting to see him again. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I didn't personally see him at the fair, but um, uh, who else was there? The actor Jared Leto was there. If you care, it, really, mm-hmm. I did not. I did not notice. I don't think I would. I couldn't pick him out of a cardboard box. Yeah, you can. He's really famous, dude. I don't. That's not how my brain works. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about like old European billionaires, <laughs> like you know. Um, a friend of the pod who I won't name here uh, was at the uh, Chiltern Firehouse for the White Cube Party, which we haven't actually mentioned yet. Oh, no, well, um, we're going to get to all the parties. And I just wanted to cover the, you know, the mm-hmm. reason for the season, as they say. Right. Speaking, and I think we've covered. Well, I do want to say Fuse Masters was great. We had the old manuscripts, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of old pictures. Fuse Masters is sick. Scarsdale and his killer booth. Um, 
Uh, but uh, but speaking of the reason for the season, we were, we were leaving dinner last night, you and I, which we'll also cover en route via Uber uh, in the S-Class, um, uh, to head to David's Warner's party. And we kept going in circles because all the roads were closed. We couldn't figure out why oh all the roads in Mayfair were closed. We finally like, dude, just drop us off. We'll walk. It's like a six-minute walk from here. Fine. You know, It's beautiful out, beautiful London. And it's because uh, all down uh, New Bond Street, they've shut the street just outside Sotheby's, not for the auction, but in order to hang Christmas decorations. Unbelievable. In, in this, the, the, the month of our Lord, October. All of Mayfair has to shut down for some fucking lights. You know, the other thing, there were just some lights. I was like, you guys could have done this while keeping the street open. <laughs> they're, very, they're very, very safety conscious here. Um, <laughs> they are. You can't go over, over 20 miles per hour. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and so that, I think that's everything about the fair. I mean, it's, I mean, oh, it's always on, beautiful. But, yeah, know, we, could, we could go on. But it is beautiful. Free is a beautiful fair. It was crowded, yes. It was hard to get an espresso, yes. But, you know, it was a wonderful fair. Um. I'm trying to think about other other key uh, meet and greets. Um, and uh, and but but outside the fair, I think we haven't. You know, we stopped. We we chat on Monday after I had just landed. You had kind of filled me in mm-hmm. on what you had seen thus far. I've had a whole lifetime since then. My lord, um, we you know saw all the galleries, um, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, some of which were were in the same were uh, housed in the same buildings. Um, I do want to say that I I I got to see uh, Andrew Orsada's show at Zverner, who I'm a big fan of. Great show. I thought that looked absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really incredible. Cynthia Talmadge's show Ooh, at yes. the Carl Costello Gallery. Not what I expected, not the paintings we've come to expect, but instead sort of trompe l'oeil sculptures, which really uh, are impressive. something I always enjoy. And they were they were really, really cool. Brought me back to my college days. Yeah, um, really, really great. Um, the great, great, great Andy Robert. I haven't seen the show yet. Oh, uh, brother. Oh, I know. brother. I told Gordon I would go. I'm going to I'm gonna stop by tomorrow before my Is that the Michael Warner Gallery, which is always confusing because that's run by Gordon Van Um Really, I've always been a fan. I've never seen this many works gathered in one place. Incredible. And he, he's been in town. He's painting a lot of the work here right. uh, on site. And he had made so much work there. They actually opened an additional section of mm-hmm. the show uh, last night, which I haven't seen yet. But I think it, there was another five or six paintings at least, Gordon was saying. Right. Gordon did tell me they were going to expand the show, which I just found flabbergasting. So I did kind of maybe internally just put off going until I could see that and whole re- part. Really interesting, I would say, uh, in both their at least main locations, um, we have Andy Robert here in London and then Izzy Wood in mm-hmm. New York, both, I think, really smashing exhibitions. And in both cases, artists that, you know, while they're out there and their names are known, I mean, especially Izzy, I had never, as a New Yorker, had never actually seen an exhibition of her paintings other than one-offs in, in fairs or, or in the, these dreary auction catalogs. And that blew me away. And then Andy here, you really see like them, I don't know, it felt like a real watershed moment for that gallery mm-hmm. in terms uh, of in terms of showing younger artists. You know, they're obviously exactly. known for their incredible program with with older artists. I know. I, I have incredibly, very strong, vivid, fond memories of seeing a Peter Doig show there, I think four years ago um, in London at the Michael Burner space that just blew me away. But of yep, course- Yep, four years ago. Those lions, those fucking lions. Un- so unbelievable good. show. But of course, Peter Doig's one of the best artists of his generation. He's older. Um, and so it is really cool to see uh, Gordon Gordon working with these young artists. Also, Florine Kruer, another, I think, very exciting artist in the stable of the Michael Werner Gallery. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know Gordon socially, but we've never really done any kind of talked about the work of the gallery together. I, I was able to spend a fair amount of time with great him. Guy. Great guy. Uh, in the gallery talking about the work. It was great. Now, you know, as uh, speaking of American painters, a uh, uh, sort of different place in the market, we have a Mark Rochon show uh, mm-hmm. up at the at the um, Gagosian Gallery. I missed the talk that he did with Andrew Fabrican, unfortunately. Sorry, Larry. Um, it was a, it was a really good show. You know, only six or seven paintings. Um, 
kind of bangers. We went to a party for 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 Mark. We did. Uh, yes. Uh, was that Tuesday night? We did go to a party for Mark. So I did. I didn't go to the talk, but I went to the party, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was um, at the twenty two. Yeah, it was, I, it's, a, it's a new hotel and I think private club restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I'd read about it in like the FT magazine, how to spend it a while ago. So I'd reached mm-hmm. out for a reservation there. They were booked at the time. This was over the summer at some point. Uh, they just uh, they hadn't even opened yet, but all the book rooms were booked. They emailed me maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, very excited that they had found a room for me. Someone had canceled, letting me know that I, they, wow, they had a amazing. room for me. Uh, and then quoted me the price of 2,200 pounds per night. Let's go. Let's a little, go. A little bit over the curatorial service budget for this trip <laughs> i had to decline but it seemed like a nice facility the party was i would just say pretty mad though pretty meh oh come on it was it was fine it was fine it was fine, it was, it was fine. we got to see our pals we saw our pals you know there's no food um i didn't need to eat i did i'm not drinking any i wanted <laughs> to have some i wanted to have some snack I ate dinner before I'm on the intermittent, I, well it was an eight o'clock party i thought there'd be heavier drugs. Oh, I, I knew it right. wasn't a seated dinner i wasn't mm-hmm. uh the invite did, did not specify dinner but i thought it'd be like a heavy hors d'oeuvre situation i could have Un- understandable um there was none of that um the drink seemed to they did they were serving the dom like freely like just mm-hmm. uh, you did get to see a lincoln build between uh mark rochon jonas wood and ed Rocher. That was fun. That's kind of cool to say. Very cool. I uh, mean, just just the boys. Yeah, just the just, LA boys. Just, just the, the guys LA hanging boys. out. Yeah, you know, uh, bro town, um, and uh, and lots of friends there. That was fine. But then we went later that evening, both you and I went together. In fact, because I knew the only way to drag you out of there was to say there's a car waiting and it's an S class. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that gets me every time. Uh, the, the the whole the whole three and a half minute drive to the Chiltern Firehouse. You uh, you know, it was a scrum at the door, and uh, you swept us in uh, where we immediately were greeted by Jay Jopling uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Andre Bala's hotelier to mm-hmm. the stars yep uh, that was a that was a fun that was a fun beginning it, that felt real good it yeah, feels it really good, good to just yeah. just waltz into the children as everyone else is being held up and it was a full bio to the children this just wasn't a party in the bar or in the courtyard mm-hmm. or even like a big dinner in the restaurant this was all three venues plus the downstairs uh, s- bathrooms and smoking mm-hmm. and decadence area so this is a legendary party listeners um, this is the YQ party at the children firehouse and this is not just your average party there are marching bands there are 15 bars there's Casa Dragones. There's everyone in the art world. And it goes late. Yeah, and talk talk about hors d'oeuvres. Those hors d'oeuvres were heavy, Booby. I oh, had yeah. a lobster roll. Mm-hmm. I had some of those weird kind of vegetarian uh, taco type things. I wasn't even hungry, and I ate like seven different fishes. It was too late for my intermittent, intermittent feeding diet, but I still, like, I was famished. I, I ate I mm-hmm. ate well. I had about six Diet Cokes. It took me a good hour and a half to, I, I simply circumnavigated the facility. Started in the restaurant, then the bar, which is always a scrum. The longest wait for a drink in anywhere is that bar. Um, very charming bartenders, not the most efficient. Saw all sorts of people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, really everyone. Uh, Josh Bear. I mean, the, the list is endless. I mean, you can just say like everyone in the art world. Everyone in the art world was there. I did a circle uh, upstairs uh, and then and then popped downstairs uh, re- real quickly. All the same people the last time I was at the Children. In the next case, I was probably leaving at like four o'clock in the morning out the mm-hmm. back door. We're down there. We had, you know, Chris Taylor's lounging out on a lounge chair, cigarette dangling from, from his beautiful fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the models uh, all as far as the eye could see. Um, uh, on my way out, I dropped. I bumped into Nicholas Kirkwood, uh, the great shoe designer and uh, an art collector, uh, and um, a Belgian in Dubai zone. I'm forgetting his name, but uh, another uh, Charles Riva uh, mm-hmm. and his posse. As I was leaving, then I zipped out of there uh, back to my hotel. Yeah, I was also out at a very reasonable hour. 
which was actually quite enjoyable because, you know, when you walk out, when you leave the Chiltern, you have to go out the side entrance, which feels kind of cool, you know? And that street was just a madhouse of people trying to, you know, you know, trying to get any, any way. Okay, we're back. Sorry, some slight technical difficulties. Nate, I am no tech superhero. But anyway, we got out of the Chiltern finally. But the night before, on Monday night... What did we gone, do the night before? Uh, well, you would help me find a restaurant that I'd only ever heard of referred to as The Greek. Uh, it's uh, the restaurant that the great Carl Cossiel does all his dinners at. I've been there innumerable numbers of time. I don't think Carl knows the actual name of that restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd been at uh, earlier dinner uh, uh, with a, a patron of the pod uh, at uh, Le Petit Maison, which is actually a great restaurant. I kind of slagged it off on the last pod. But it was a fantastic dinner and catch-up chat. Uh, and then I wanted to go wanted to go celebrate the great Cynthia Talmadge and her show that it opened what that we show. spoke about oh uh, previously. And uh, yeah, so I knew it was the Greek, and I just couldn't remember the name of it. And I'm Googling the Greek London, not working. Luckily, you you had your phone in your hand, so you were able to uh, you were able to help get me there. I literally looked at the menu. You and it said the name, and I was like, Oh, that's the name. Of this Aphrodite, place. Aphrodite, in case anyone's ever wondered. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, the listeners should know. Service journalism. Uh, and I was greeted immediately by a lady baby. First time I got to meet we her. We brought the little one to dinner. It was so much fun. So, oh my God. Uh, always such a great crew that that Carl keeps around him uh, and his, his amazing uh, wife, Catherine, who runs the gallery with him. They gave an amazing, rousing speech. Uh, Carl, who was not sticking around for the fair, he was right back to Milan to kiss the kiddos, then back up to Stockholm where he has a show of Alex Israel up in it right now. He wasn't going to visit that though. He had a, he had a big hunting trip planned. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's it's all happening. It's all happening. So the thing is, dear listener, at this point in Nate in my conversation, the hotel is calling to let me know that the dry cleaning, which I've been badgering them about, uh, which they've done for me, is finally ready and on its way up. I pause the recording as the phone rings to have this conversation and then let the porter in with said clothing. Um, But when I sat back down to continue my conversation with dear Mr. Freeman, I neglected to unpause the recording. So what did you miss? Uh, We chit-chat about the shows we saw, caddy about a few, laudatory about others, and then we talk in depth about a great exhibition that Ramekin did at this kind of uh, Ramekin Crucible from New York, great uh, Brooklyn gallery, uh, and New York, I suppose, uh, did in this amazing kind of uh, pared down, under renovation kind of Victorian hotel that's all like down to the brickwork with just the moldings left and like really like a shell of a building, including a number of great artists from their program and otherwise. And Nate launches into a story about the Jamie and Julian Villani painting, which is in the show's fantastic picture of a cat on a pink background and how it came not to be included in the Venice Biennale as the artist intended, but instead was in the show. Uh, I'm not sure where he picks up the story exactly, but basically she saw this painting in her Venice Airbnb, fell in love with it, and tried to put it in the show, uh, much to the curator's um, chagrin, uh, and it was it was eventually next, that possibility. So back to the actual recording, and I'll let Nate pick it up from here. Uh, apologies for the uh, technical difficulties, but you know. You get what you're paying for. Ben's Viennale. And says, I want this in the Viennale. This is my artwork. I want you to put it in the show. Incredible. And Incredible. she says, no, I can't do that. Like, she's like, 
look, this is my contribution to the show. I want it in. She was like, Jamie, and you've lost it. I can't let you do that. I just can't let you do it. She's bringing it with her to like the press preview in her bag, like trying to get to Chile to put it on the wall. It doesn't happen. But she absconds with it from Italy back to New York, offers it to Mike in the show. And it is an official Jamie and Giuliano Villani at the Ramekin show. And it's been sold. Yeah, they said sold like like instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, the show was so popular. Speaking of absconding with things, that it seems like someone tried to do a little cash and carry without the cash part. This is actually uh, serious, Benjamin, because um, yes, there was a painting that was stolen from Ramekin um, in the wee hours after they had closed down the gallery after the opening, and then when they returned in the morning, it was gone. Mike is working with the London police to try to find whoever is responsible. Right now, there are no leads exactly. There's some pictures. I can't recognize these people. Uh, but I think that if enough people see them, you know, we can maybe figure out who it is. So if you are listening to this, listener, and you think you might have a tip as to who stole this work from the Ramekin pop-up show in London, please contact Mike Egan at um, his email, which... I can. I don't know if I'm going to say his email. D- on DM, it. DM one of us. I got to say yeah. that was that was great. Nate just held it down. We're having all sorts of technical difficulties. My laundry just got delivered at the hotel. I think that means unless there's any like real pressing business, that's a real serious note. Uh, but I guess we're going to have to leave it there. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I like. I'm, I think most of this recorded. There was some other fucking <laughs> weird things when I got a phone call. Look, we we give we're giving you the content here from London. If there's technical difficulties, you're going to have to fucking bear with it. Yeah, if, if it dropped out in the middle there, it was a great story. I would love to hear it. And by the time you're listening to this, my column will be live, so go to VanityFair.com and read it. Yeah, I hear there's, <laughs> I hear there's some Juicy Freeze-related gossip in oh, there. It's a banger, honestly. Are there, are there some shots fired? Uh, there are some, some shots that are fired from the top. Okay, I won't say from who or to who, but it's a def- banger of a comic. You definitely say. want to dial up that vanityfair.com. Hopefully, you haven't used all your free your free articles. Get a subscription. I'll fucking pay for it. If you don't have a subscription, DM me. I'll pay for it. Uh oh. <laughs> we, we have to crowd for this. Anyway, that's it from us. Hold on. Oh no, hold on. Wait. That's not all. That's not all. There's more. There's more. We are joined by the great London gallerist, Pilar Corius, uh, uh, who tells us the, the genesis of her gallery, shares some great eating and drinking spots in London, talks about the vibe at Freeze, and so much more. You know, she is such an interesting woman. She worked at the Listen Gallery for many years. She has a very, very astute and intelligent eye, really conceptually driven but is a market darling on much of her program right now. So you definitely want to stay tuned and listen to everything she has to share with She's us. She's one of my favorite people to sit next to her at a dinner. I've sat next to her at dinners in New York City, in Zurich, in Basel, in London, in Venice. And now you, listener, get to experience that yourself. And listen, she drops a ton of knowledge, too. And, you know, I, I <laughs> we had to turn the recording off for some sections because she really told it as it is. But I think despite that, the stuff that we were able to commit to tape and share with you is totally, totally amazing. Pilar's the greatest. We are lucky to have her on the pod. Stay tuned right after this. Hello. I'm so happy to be joined by Pilar. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. How are you, Ben? I'm good. It's so great that this podcast allows me to reconnect with old friends that I talk to in a business manner, but don't get to really hear all of their story. I know, especially during Freeze Week. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and and so many thanks for for putting aside the time during like the busiest time. You have big openings tonight, right? I'm actually very happy that I get to have a break and have 
got to like chill out with you. <laughs> so we, we've turned um, off the phones, both of us. We're here. <laughs> we're fully present. And um, I'm just going to turn that down a little bit. Um, and uh, it's so great to be in London this week. The energy has been really, really nice. I'm not sure if it's just because of freeze, but I was uh, on the London, streets Monday and Tuesday and it was killing it. London has been really active. And we've had a lot of uh, different visitors from all over the place, a lot of Americans. And also, since Brexit, what we've noticed is that there's a lot of sort of world visitors. Like, you know, you might get people from Asia or from India or from the US, so not necessarily just Europe. And um, that's, like, really increased. Um, so that's positive, and it's very, I mean, the city, obviously, you can see a lot of shops that are closed and that, you know, are empty, like in every city, like in New York yeah, as the well. The same as in New York, obviously. But there's a lot of activity, and, um, I mean, it's, it's like it, everything's come yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, the, the streets were packed. I was out Monday and Tuesday bopping between galleries a little bit today. It's, it's uh, Thursday now as we record this. Obviously, I was in the tents all day yesterday. But yeah, oh there are God. people out on the street, like, you know, in the main kind of... Uh, business areas. I mean, you know, not not the city. Obviously, I'm not going there. But you know, kind of out in in Mayfair, it's like the streets are packed. People are out at lunches, restaurants. You can't get a lunch reservation in the entire no. central London. Um, I just I just had to to slip someone some quid to get into the Woolsey, and uh, yeah, it just feels really vibrant. And the galleries all look great, and uh, and especially yeah. yours. Thank you, thank you. Did you know that we exchange um, eight million microbes when we kiss each other? So imagine how. <laughs> I mean, is that just an air kiss, or, or, or is that like the full French? Well, imagine, well, air kiss, maybe four million. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I've only been air kissing this week, we, I want to be clear. We have a, it was all to do with a booth at, at Freeze. Mm -hmm. um, Have Karaman made, um, we got the special merit for one of the best booths at Freeze. And um, she did this beautiful series of paintings and works on flax, and uh, it's about these female bodies and, uh, and it's got to do with bacteria and there are all these guts that are painted in the paintings and obviously the gut contains bacteria and the paint is made with fermented um, dye and uh, linen comes also, there's a process where bacteria separates the fibers to create linen. Anyway, so I found out all about, <laughs> all about this. <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh, COVID. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very COVID positive. Um, but it was, a, it was a great booth, and I, it was almost musicological because you had the, the two walls of paintings, then you had a wall of works on paper and sort of a vitrine with further works on paper, right? It was, was the vitrine was basically the research and an explanation to the work that was on the walls. And so what was, I mean, what's interesting about it is that the material that is used is the is kind of echoing the subject matter that's in the paintings, so in a way it's like a cyclical kind of presentation. Mm -hmm. So the actual thing that makes the work is what the work is about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they're also just stunning objects. I mean, I think uh, was we really sold great. everything in the first sixty minutes. That is so unsurprising <laughs> to me because they just looked absolutely great. It was insane, and there was um, we've had tons of museums. Uh, especially European that didn't know Haves work very well, and so they, I mean, we've had lots of requests, and they want to get to know the work better, do shows, buy the work. I mean, it's been amazing, and Have couldn't 
could not believe it. I mean, they're really strong pictures, and I think they come from a really strong, I would say, you know, feminist perspective. And I think when I think of you, I mean, although you show artists from across the gender spectrum, I mean, I think you have a really strong group of female painters, especially. And, yeah. you know, I'm surrounded by some of the, by some of the work right now. Um, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think that's really valuable and interesting, and you've, and you've been doing that for a long time. I mean, it's not, it's not a, a, a yeah, Sally come not, lately. I, it's not a manifesto. No. And I don't do it on purpose. And I go, oh, shit, it's another woman artist. <laughs> um, but it's just uh, really um, what I'm drawn to and uh, what I feel that I can stand behind. Because, you know, as a, as a gallerist, you have to represent an artist. And so it's not about working with them once, but about working with them many times over. And so you have to stand behind their ideas and their practice. And you have to believe in it too, because you have to talk about it all the time. And um, so I don't know why I chose a lot of women artists, but I guess it's the sensibility. I mean, I love it. And you really do as a gallerist have to really believe because you're really setting up for long-term relationships, ideally yeah. with, with the artist you're representing. And that's one of the one of the few things I really, or one of several things I disliked about working at the auction house is I don't like to talk about things that don't really deeply move me. I think as a gallerist or, or for myself as an art advisor, I get to really just talk about things that I love and how they move me. And I, I never sell work. I don't think you do either. I just share my passion and hopefully others uh, Absolutely. can partake. Absolutely. And also, I mean, the difference between the auction houses and the galleries is that we really work for the artist and the auction houses work for the client in the sense that they don't care where the work ends up. It goes to an auction, it doesn't matter. Whilst I work with institutions and I try and you know, build the artist's career because a lot of the artists I work with have been, I've been working with since they were young and have built their career over years. And so that takes uh, time and effort and, you know, strategy and, and then the artist becomes very successful and yeah. then the auction houses like it. <laughs> no, but I said I didn't want to get into that, although I will say, in, in truth, the auction houses don't work for their clients, that, which I have to explain to clients that sometimes I intercede on their behalf. They work for themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, they're not looking out for the buyer or the yeah, seller. Yeah, for commission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in any case, you know, you have a really interesting background that you grew up um, kind of really transnationally traveling around. I think your parents were in the diplomatic corps or something to that yeah. effect um, and got to experience lots of different cultures from a young age. And, and I can see that, I think, in in the art you show and, and, and in your approach. Um, but also, I didn't realize this, I did like a bit of research, you actually grew up with a portrait of your grandmother and your mother painted by, by Diego Rivera. Yeah. Did I read that correctly? My parents uh, weren't really, they weren't art collectors, but there was this one, there is, I mean, it's, it's in the San Francisco Museum of Art right now, in the Diego Rivera exhibition. Um, but I grew up with this portrait because... Um, my uh, mother grew up in California, and my grandmother um, had a, uh, a second husband. The first one was my grandfather, and the second one was Henry Fonda. And uh, so she moved to California with my mother, and, uh, and then had Peter and Jane Fonda as her two other children. And so my, my, my grandmother brought my mother to Mexico and had this portrait painted for, because my mother, my mother didn't have a father anymore, he had died, and she wanted to cement their relationship. And um, so 
I've always grown up with it. Now it's been passed on to me. And um, yeah, I've, I've seen it all my life. It's a, it's a beautiful story of Genesis, <laughs> you know, um, in a yeah, way. Yeah, Jane just, Jane just posted it on Instagram, actually, because oh. she went to see it. Because it's her mom. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that's so that's so mind blowing. I didn't know any of that other history other than the art historical thing. Um, uh, so, how many years have you? I mean, I've known you since I've been in the art world. How many years have you had the gallery here in London? What year did Actually, you open? Actually, it's like fifteen almost to the day. I opened on happy the, birthday. Thank you. <laughs> you don't look a day over twelve. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I um, I opened it on the eighth of October, two thousand and eight right after Lehman Brothers crashed, like amazing two weeks timing. later. Absolutely amazing. can imagine how I felt. And, <laughs> and what, what um, were you doing previous to that? And what was your background? I, um, I worked for 10 years at Listen Gallery, and then I worked for two years at Haunch Venison, which is a gallery that doesn't exist anymore. And then I left and I set up my own. Listen makes total sense to me. Honcho Venison less so, but I can see... I learned um, a... Uh, you know what I learned in Honcho Venison? I learned a lot about the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Listen was a very much a, an artist-led gallery. I mean, it was a very different gallery at the time than what it is now. Like, even the list of artists was different. I mean, I don't know any of the staff that work there anymore, except for Alex. Um, and... Um, so it was a very artist-led gallery, and then I went to this like super commercial uh, gallery that didn't have the program wasn't good enough, and that's the reason why they wanted me there. And I, I yeah. Anyway, two years isn't too long. I'd learned what I needed to learn, and then I, no, I was out. No, but you you've put it together because I think you have an artist-led program uh, here yeah. at, at the gallery. Is plural now. Um, but um, but they have had some market success, and it's good to understand how those things work. I think so you can help shepherd artists and kind of insulate them so they don't need to deal with it. So yeah, much. it gave me confidence. Like being in that place gave me a lot of confidence. Strangely, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I get it. I worked at Phillips. It gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Like go figure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we take, those of us that are more artistically bent, we kind of need to get hit over the head with some of the more um, true market uh, market truths. Um, tell me about this amazing bench that I'm sitting on. This kind oh, of oh, this is uh, a Shabalala's furniture. So it's uh, art, furniture art, like France Vest, and um, so she's made all these. Uh, um, works which are under a series called Homebody, which is, you know, a homebody is somebody that stays at home, but it's also, um, it talks about how you can also bring, like, social stereotypes, uh, the status quo of society within the, the private home, and that things and ro- roles are played out in the private home that are also... Um, in a way prescribed and um, so she made a series of works on paper she made canvases and then she made sewed canvases and what's really important with the furniture and all of this work is the line and you can see in these um, patterns in the furniture it's it's a bird and this is a West African pattern that's found in a lot of uh, West African art and uh, she, sees, um, she sees it in Harlem, and she's seen it a lot in New Orleans, and so she thought she'd bring it back up here. But then it's at the, that same line then is echoed in 
the, the drawings as well as the paintings and then in the sewn paintings with a, with a sewing machine. Yeah, I see, I see it really clearly in the works on paper and the, and the sewn yeah. paintings. Um, and you, is, is the show opening this evening? Do I have that right? Or did it, it open? It opened uh, last open week. Last week? Okay. But she's had a public sculpture open. It's, it's opening tonight, actually. Um, it's in near Euston Station. It's her first really large public sculpture oh, wow. in bronze. And, uh, you know, she's only 32, so... Uh, she's, um, That's great. She's such a mature artist. I feel like the hand yeah. feels so... It's not mature. The hand feels so self-assured uh, in the work that it's making. You know, I think that she's one of these people a bit like, I don't know, um, like Tyler Swift, for example, who really decides what they want to do at an early age and really focus on it. And that's what she's, you know, she's been very, very, very decided on her path right from the beginning, right from when I met her. And so with this kind of self-assurance and kind of real belief in yourself, then, you know, she has become really mature really quickly. I can't relate at all. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm still so immature. Like, you know, I still she, don't know what I want to do with my life. Someone she didn't help. Fin- exactly. Like, she didn't finish college and think, what am I going to do? She's like, I know what I'm going to do. Oh. And she went straight to Yale. I mean, did you know what you wanted to do? I mean, I know you went to, to, to school for art history and graduate school. Like, did you know right out of, out of undergraduate university that you wanted to be in the arts? Uh, yeah, I've always, I mean, it was, you know, it was the 19, early 1990s. And um, I was living between New York and London, because I'm half American, actually, and half Italian. And um, um, I wanted to go to art school, and then I did. And then <clears throat> I went to New York after finishing at Exeter in, uh, in the UK. And I interned at Art Forum. Actually, I'm fine. Uh, and I interned at Art Forum. And uh, my main goal was to become an art, um, art magazine editor. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, then I, I had a boyfriend in London, so I said, okay, I'm gonna go back to London. And um, I went to Goldsmiths and did an MA in art theory. And I was about to do, go and do a PhD. And, um, but I thought, I really like to be around people, and doing a PhD is quite a lonely thing. So let me just try this internship at Listen Gallery. And it was like the early 90s, and there were no jobs. It was like, a, a, there was a it big was the recession, recession. the art recession, yeah. So anyway, I got this internship, and uh, I all of a sudden was meeting all these artists that, for me, were like superheroes. And they, they were there, like, in, in flesh and blood, and I was getting to speak to them and work with them, and that was really exciting. And then I realized that, actually, instead of writing about art, I could be part of making it and could be, be, become no, part I, of actually making the art history. You, you know, I have, a, I have a similar story in that I was planning on getting to get my PhD. And then oh, I you realized, too? And then I realized that I liked people and things much more than I liked words yeah. and writing them. And, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, I mean, uh, slightly different, but, but very similar. Um, yeah, and, that's funny. I didn't know and that. And I'd still be ABDL, but dissertation now, like <laughs> the, way I, the way I run things. So it's probably saved us all from a lot. Um, that's fascinating. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, and then I was a, I was a reception. And, what, who, was, who, was working at art for, who was working at Art Forum back in the day? Who was the, who was was the editor? It was Ida Panicelli. Mm-hmm. And um, 
It was, well, Tony Corner was always the publisher. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was a Knight, Landersman was still there. He was actually always very nice to me, I have to say. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was really, I mean, it was, I was also studying at Columbia. I was taking MA art history courses. And that's when I really realized that that was going to be my path. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that it turned into the market was like, I didn't know that I had this potential. <laughs> and I only found out when I started interning in a gallery and I was like, wait a minute, I can sell this text work by Douglas Gordon. And um, so I, I sold 20 of them from the reception desk. And um, wow, and got from promoted. the reception desk. <laughs> oh man, you must, have, you must have been an absolute assassin. I can only imagine. <laughs> I used to get told off <laughs> by the director. Yeah, no, I can imagine it now. I can imagine it now. I mean, I think actually Douglas Gordon is one of the first artists you collected. I read in an yeah, interview somewhere. Yeah, he's a great friend as well. Yeah, and I love this phrase. I, I believe the work uh, that, that you first added to your collection says, "From this moment until the next time." Yes, from this moment. Is it until the next time? From the moment until. That's what my the Google told oh, yeah. me. I could be wrong. I think it's. Uh, might be that one, yeah. So it mean, basically, what the work is, is um, it was from the very first, one of the very first shows that Hans Ulrich um, organized. So he did one in his uh, apartment or his kitchen, and he did one in a hotel room in Paris. Yep. And this one is from the hotel room in Paris. And it went above the window of the hotel room. And so you look over at the view of Paris. And of course, you always leave a hotel. And so you look out the window and you say goodbye until the next time, till I see you again. And so it's a work to be placed above a window. And it's very appropriate for an art dealer who travels all yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, there's something, you know, both uh, uh, winsome and, and romantic about that both. Um, you know, yeah. I, I love text-based work in general. Lawrence, oh, you do? Lawrence Wiener is like one of my great oh, loves yeah, me too. in this world. And it was very <laughs> sad so as cool. passing. So great, so great. Um, well, I don't want to hold up too much of your time because I do know you're, like, you're in the middle of an intense week. And I'm, I'm sure your phone is going nuts. I do want to ask... Um, for two recommendations. A, have any new amazing restaurants opened in London or like new spots, yes. like places to eat and an old school like standby favorite of yours? Okay, so I really like this Chinese restaurant called Mimi Mayfair. Mimi Mayfair. It's on Curzon Street and it's really, really good looking and it's really nice inside. It's beautiful inside. I mean, and the Mayfair, Chinese so. food is fantastic. And I mean, it's it's high end. Okay, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a Mayfair. I'm going to book it out for next free week or really, something. It's really, really. I like. Yeah, I really like going there. And then something classic. Um, I would go to Jay Shiki. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you have such good taste. Not just in art, but in food also. <laughs> well, it kind of goes hand in hand, no? <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's why I asked the question at the end of every pod. It's one of our. It's one of our prime focuses on eating and drinking around the world. Yeah, you have to eat well, otherwise, you know, the world becomes sad. <laughs> oh, so true. I ate a little bit too well this week. Um, and drink well too. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm really happy that we were able to sit down and have this um, little time together. It's very special. Thank you. For me too. I'm a big fan of yours and a friend. And I'm really, really happy that we got to chill out and chat for a few minutes. Definitely a friend. Back to the grind then. With <laughs> yes, that, I'll make it then, eh? Out. <laughs>